Hello, and welcome to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. In this first part of a new series, Dorje Lopan Dr. Hanlai teaches about the songs of Milarepa, the 11th century Tibetan saint who reached the ultimate state of awakening. The presentation of these profound songs is integrated with teachings on the Guru Yoga of Milarepa Sadhana in order to introduce a more contemplative and experience-based approach to practicing this liturgy. Urban Dharma is a Buddhist temple in the heart of Asheville, North Carolina. We are supported by your generosity and by our online store, TibetanSpirit.com. To learn more about us, come visit our temple in person or look us up online at UdharmaNC.com. Thanks for listening. begin with the aspiration and engagement bodhicitta, page one and two. All mothers, sentient beings, boundless as the sky, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles on my path to liberation and omniscience. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I will quickly establish them in a state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, boundless as the sky, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles on my path to liberation and omniscience, may they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I will quickly establish them in a state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, boundless as the sky, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles on my path to liberation and omniscience, experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I will quickly establish them in a state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. Thus, until I achieve enlightenment, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. Until death, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. From now until this time tomorrow, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. To the top of page 6. Dharma and Sangha most excellent. I take refuge until enlightenment is reached. By the merit of generosity and other perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. In the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha most excellent. I take refuge until enlightenment is reached. By the merit of generosity and other perfections, May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. In the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha most excellent, I take refuge until enlightenment is reached. By the merit of generosity and other perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. May all mother sentient beings, boundless as the sky, have happiness and the causes of happiness. May they be liberated from suffering and the causes of suffering. May they never be separated from the happiness that is free from sorrow. May they rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. May all mother sentient beings, boundless as the sky, have happiness and the causes of happiness. May they be liberated from suffering and the causes of suffering. May they never be separated from the happiness that is free from sorrow. May they rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. May all mother sentient beings, boundless as the sky, have happiness and the causes of happiness. May they be liberated from suffering and the causes of suffering. 
May they never be separated from the happiness that is free from sorrow. May they rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. So this uh, weekend's program, and then continuing on to um, three more Sundays, only Sunday uh, afternoons, uh, is focused on um, Milarepa, and particularly uh, Milarepa's songs. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I am going to integrate uh, the practice uh, of Milarepa, uh, meaning the Guru Yoga uh, of Milarepa, uh, into at least this uh, weekend's uh, program. Mm. So, um, in a little bit, I'll uh, just say just a little on Milarepa, since I'm sure uh, all of you already know uh, Milarepa. Probably that's why you're here. Uh, then, in terms of the uh, the meditation practice, the Guru Yoga practice, uh, this text here um, called the Guru Yoga of Jesun Shepa Dorje. Shepa Dorje uh, is uh, Milarepa's Dharma name. Shepa Dorje, and then the Guru Yoga. Uh, guru is uh, the teacher, the mentor, uh, the Lama. Mm. And yoga is to um, unite with, to be united with. Uh, is to be united with the Guru. Uh, united uh, in the sense of um, mm, one's devotion, at least at this point, it is one's devotion mind um, that will connect us to the awakened mind of the Guru. Uh, of course, uh, the awakened mind uh, is present within us, uh, but right now uh, it's uh, obscured, it's covered, and therefore we have no access uh, we have no experiential access uh, to this awakened mind. Um, so until we have access to it, um, we will continue uh, to be in what we call the state of samsara, the state of confusion. Um, so the goal or the purpose of Guru Yogas, so there are many, many types of Guru Yogas, primarily based on uh, who is um, the main figure to represent uh, this principle of the Guru, the principle of guidance. In this case, uh, it's uh, Milarepa uh, as the central figure uh, to um, represent that uh, principle. Uh, so ordinarily, uh, often, uh, I don't know ordinary or not, but often uh, Guru Yoga practices or these types of sadhana practices um, are done um, with an emphasis on um, kind of recitation. Um, and then uh, there is also, uh, when done publicly, uh, it is done as a performance. Uh, by that, I'm not uh, kind of mm, criticizing that. Uh, I think there is an aspect to these practices where um, the public performance of it creates a particular environment, creates a particular um, condition uh, that can evoke uh, the devotion mind, uh, that can uplift the experience of all those uh, participating. And so there is a time and a place for that kind of, that way of connecting uh, to these sadhana practices. And then when the sadhana practices are done um, on a daily basis at home, um, then you could say that the emphasis is different. Uh, 
uh, it emphasizes more uh, perhaps your uh, understanding uh, and your kind of meditating on it rather than the uh, more performance uh, aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, come on in, don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, here, what I would like to do for uh, uh, today and uh, the, the final part tomorrow morning uh, is to offer you another way of experiencing uh, this sadhana, uh, another way of experiencing uh, this practice uh, that may um, be helpful uh, in um, your own uh, kind of ongoing uh, relationship with such practices. Mm, such practices are not easy by any means. Mm, but like any practice, like any discipline, that any art, uh, any sports that we are uh, learning, uh, it takes time. Mm, often we kind of go to one thing and then we think, you know, it, it has to be immediately accessible. Uh, and if it's not, it's like it's not meaningful to me. Um, I think we're not giving ourselves a chance uh, and the time to kind of say, well, like anything else that you learn, especially anything that is worth learning, um, will take time. Now, it is also not the case that, you know, anything that takes a long time is worth learning. <laughs> so, sure, I'm aware of that. <laughs> I have that experience too. Uh, so, but... I think until we give a little bit time to it, you know, and, and look at all the different ways in which one could connect with something like this, we really don't know uh, quite what we're throwing out yet, um, if we decide to throw out. So, um, so, so I'm going to use this, this Guru Yoga practice text as, in a way, framing the structure for this weekend. So you're not going to experience this practice the way it's done. Like, okay, we'll go from cover to cover, finish all of that, and then we'll start talking. <laughs> it's just the usual way of uh, doing these practices. You know, chant, 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 or read, 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 uh, depending on which language you choose. Uh, and then, in conclusion, okay, we're done with that. Now, let's go to the teachings, right? But instead, I'm going to use this as a, 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 a structure to frame uh, this weekend's experience, to frame this weekend's um, teachings. Yeah. So if you turn to the Guru Yoga um, uh, on page one, um, so it's the Guru Yoga of Jisun Shepa Dorje, uh, as I said. And I have to apologize uh, to the folks that are um, joining us uh, through uh, the YouTube livecast. Uh, we don't have this text ready uh, to share with you quite yet. Um, it still needs some tweaking, so I don't want to release uh, that PDF out there uh, circulating uh, yet. Uh, but if you really would like to um, continue this, uh, do email us uh, at info at udharmanc.com, our main email for Urban Dharma in North Carolina. And then when we're ready to release this text, um, we will um, make it available. Mm, but don't, you know, don't, don't be too concerned at this point, yeah? because as you'll see, the way that I'm going to use this sadhana, mm, it's not literally necessary uh, every point for you to have it. Yeah. Uh, but the Songs of Milarepa collection, that's available. Um, we will, we will um, uh, Jessica, who is facilitating this live cast, um, will try to get that file to you if you're there watching and you need it. Mm. So basically, uh, I'll hold up. Uh, there are two texts. But now I'm talking about this one here, uh, the sadhana practice. So, Jisin Shepa Dorji is uh, referring to Milarepa. Right? 
So Milarepa uh, lived in Tibet uh, in the 12th century, uh, probably one of the most famous uh, figures in all of Tibetan Buddhism. Mm, the Gagyu tradition claims a special connection uh, to Milarepa, uh, but Milarepa uh, was, um, is, was, is uh, known and loved by uh, all across uh, the Tibetan Buddhist traditions. Uh, the Gagyu claims a special connection to him because um, his uh, one of his key disciples, uh, Gampopa, uh, who was a, uh, a monk, uh, uh, became, you could say, the fountainhead of all the traditions that later on trace themselves. Uh, and identified themselves as uh, Gagyu. Gampopa was the fountainhead of this whole, um, all the different Gagyus, uh, with the exception of Shangpa Gagyu, uh, that comes from a different transmission. Um, so, so much so that um, the majority who identify with the label Gagyu Sometimes it's called Dakpo Kagyu. Dakpo is where Gampopa uh, came from. Uh, so Dakpo Kagyu. So among the Dakpo Kagyu today, uh, in terms of numbers, uh, the largest group uh, is the Karma Kagyu, followed by the Dukpa Kagyu, and then um, followed by Dugung Kagyu, and then significantly smaller in numbers, uh, the Tatlong Kagyu. Then the other kagyus exist in one form or another. Uh, either uh, their teachings and practices were absorbed into the other kagyus, and sometimes even beyond kagyu, among some Nyingma uh, transmissions, lineages. Mm, then there might be a stray monastery here and there uh, that, claim, that, that kind of traces, see their connections going back to uh, Barom kagyu uh, or you know, one of these other. <coughs> Uh, Kagyu, but the the four kind of that exist today as independent uh, institutions are these four. Uh, Milarepa himself, of course, uh, was never a monk. Uh, in that, you know, he never took uh, the formal uh, steps of becoming a monk himself. Uh, neither could we quite call Milarepa a lay person um, because he wasn't a householder. Uh, his teacher was a householder, Marpa, and I don't think we could call Marpa a lay person either. Uh, in fact, these terms that we use in the West, uh, the lay, lay people, uh, it comes out of uh, obviously a Christian right? uh, context or at least lots of baggage there. So when you call uh, the laity, then the opposite of the laity, laity in English would be what? The clergy. Clergy, right? Clergy and laity are like the two. Mm, kind of in a congregation, you have the clergy, you have the laity, right? And, and then among clergy, clergy is, has a very specific function. What's the function of clergy? Linda, what's the function of clergy? To lead the congregation. To lead the congregation to provide pastoral care, right? So there are some resemblances within the Buddhist tradition. And the laity uh, often means um, people who play kind of second, you know, kind of uh, supporting role. Mm. So in that sense, um, in the Buddhist context, uh, it's, it's, you don't have exactly kind of matching <laughs> uh, groups. Uh, we tend to think monks and nuns are clergy, but they're not clergy in the way that the West understands clergy. Uh, majority of monks and nuns do not play pastoral roles. Uh, 
majority of monks and nuns do not even lead uh, you know the lay people majority of monks and nuns do not teach either now, only a very small relatively speaking subset of monks and nuns assume roles of leading you know worship so to say um, provide pastoral care uh, gives religious instructions. The role of monks and nuns in Buddhism primarily is a personal lifestyle choice, a choice of lifestyle. So Milarepa adopted a different choice of lifestyle. He was neither a householder nor a member of the uh, monastic order. Uh, because in his time, and for him, neither of those two defined kind of situations or institutions, you could say, uh, fitted with his aspirations. Uh, so he saw ordinary householder's life to be too challenging uh, to uh, for him to truly uh, get to the place that he wanted to get to. In fact, his sister, uh, when she saw how terribly difficult uh, he was practicing in the mountains, uh, that when he came back to see her, she could barely recognize you know this kind of living skeleton that she saw in front of her. She cried and she said, you know. I don't understand why you have to do it, you know, this way. And in fact, she said, I look around and I see Dharma practitioners. And I see that they are doing, they don't go to the lengths that you go to. Yeah? And then she even said, look at your own teacher. You know, why can't you be a Dharma practitioner like him? Right? And his sister probably one their brother to be more like Marpa because Marpa was a wealthy landowner. He, he built up his wealth. Uh, he owned land. He, he rented out his land. Uh, other people pay taxes to him or rent to him to work on his land. And he had a you know, comfortable you know, family and all of that, right? Of course, Marpa... Uh, spent a lot of his wealth uh, to go to India uh, three times uh, to bring back the teachings. So Milarepa's sister said, you know, why can't you at least be like your teacher? And his response is that my teacher uh, is like a lion and I am just like a fox. Uh, when a lion, and so in, you know, it's sort of believed that lions can jump yeah, from one mountain to the next mountain. Whereas foxes, if they try to do that, they'll fall to their deaths. And so he said, I can't do what he can. So he went into the mountains and lived as a hermit, as an ascetic. Uh, in many ways, way more challenging than that of a monk. Uh, at the very least, uh, dressed as a monk, uh, when you move around uh, in a society that you know is very familiar uh, with like um, supporting religious people, uh, immediately you can see, oh, this is a monk, right? And you provide support. Milarepa is basically. Uh, without any credentials, right? And so you look and you say, is this a religious person? Madman? Or a bum too lazy huh? to be productive? And from Milarepa's life story, people treated him all, you know, all of the above. And so sometimes he got what he needed 
Plenty of other times he did not. But that was what he needed for himself in order to um, let the Dharma radically transform, uh, radically transform him. Um, So he underwent, you know, all kinds of hardships. So stories of how Marpa had to devise skillful ways for purifying Milarepa's obscurations in a very short time. Because Milarepa was so driven to um, do something radical to change the way in which his mind, his heart uh, was moving which was really consumed uh, by simultaneous uh, hate, resentment, and guilt. Um, He grew up in a situation where his relatives uh, that were supposed to take care uh, of his widowed mother uh, and him and her was taken advantage of by these relatives and made into basically slaves of the uncle and aunt. And so the mother, uh, understandably, uh, kept reminding Milarepa that when you are able to, when you're old enough, you have to take back everything that they robbed from us. And so in order to fulfill that goal, in order to right that wrong, so to say, at least the way that he thought and his mother thought uh, should be done, he resorted to learning uh, basically what you know we call the dark arts, uh, sorcery. And using the powers of his sorcery, because he was so dedicated, he was able to master uh, uh, sorcery, and he used that uh, to... Uh, basically uh, torture and murder uh, those whom he considered his enemies. Um, But there was enough good karma uh, that it didn't take too many of these incidents that previous roots of merit uh, ripened and then he was consumed with guilt. Uh, that guilt uh, had a positive aspect in that it says it drove him to the mountains. Uh, It drove him to go find a different way. But even guilt uh, that drove him in the right direction in the end also needs to be purified. The way guilt is purified is not to become heartless, or to think that negative actions are justified. The way guilt is purified uh, is through Dharma. Uh, And so he went searching for teachers, not very successful uh, in the beginning, uh, was attracted to things that he did not have a connection with. Uh, It said that he connected with uh, a teacher that taught Dzogchen, but he did not have the karma for that kind of practice. Not that that kind of practice didn't work, but he did not have the karma to um, have those teachings uh, make an impact on him. And so he went looking finally and was directed to Marpa. So Marpa had to devise all sorts of methods to help Milarepa purify and remove um, his, the obstacles that stood in the way of Milarepa uh, really um, in a swift way um, being able to place himself from a place of darkness into a place of light. And so Milarepa said, because my karma was so heavy, my negative karma was so heavy, all of this was necessary. So Marpa at the beginning 
you know, basically um, test not tested. He knew, he knew that Milarepa was going to be his main successor. But that didn't mean that Marpa said, "Oh, okay, everything's done now. You know, it's faded. It's not." Uh, so this is kind of a, 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 an interesting tension between sort of uh, the stories saying, the tradition saying that he knew that this was the successor. Uh, but maybe you could say that's like on the ultimate level. But on the conventional level, if it did not uh, put Milarepa under uh, the, um, the ways of changing Milarepa's mind, uh, then we would not have Milarepa today. And primarily then the thing that was trained is to train Milarepa's devotion. And so Marpa from day one was unreasonable. From day one. Was unreasonable. By all you know, reasonable accounts, Marpa was unreasonable with Milarepa. No question about that if you read it. Uh, read the biography. Uh, Bar- Marpa basically uh, was harsh with Milarepa. Um, to the point that Marpa's wife, you know, uh, was having fights with Marpa over Marpa's treatment of Milarepa. And Marpa's wife tried many things to make it easier for Milarepa. And each time, you know, uh, she got to see how her supposed kindness to Milarepa uh, was actually not helping Milarepa. Marpa would say, you bring me this, you know, bring me a gift uh, that is worthy of the teachings that you want. And, you know, Milarepa had nothing didn't matter. So Marpa's wife thought, well, you know, if you are going to be so unreasonable with Milarepa, I'm going to give Milarepa stuff so that he can give to you what you want. So then when Milarepa came and presented those gifts to Marpa, Marpa said, ha, I bought these for her. These are mine in any case, you know. Doesn't count. You know, chase him away. Uh, in the end, it said that Milarepa had to build seven times this house that Marpa wanted to build for his son, his son that was getting married soon. So free labor, basically, from Milarepa. And he had to build it seven times because each time, uh, you know, halfway through or one third through or almost completed, Marpa will say, no, 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 I don't like this. Please, no, no, please, actually. Marpa said, you know, I don't like this. I never said I wanted this. Again, by all appearances, he was lying, right? Uh, but he said, no, you know, do it again. Do it again, do it again. In contrast, we could say that, you know, we really live in degenerate age now. We don't have teachers with the, uh, by and large, not all cases, we don't have teachers with Marpa's guts. Marpa did not care if Milarepa was going to like him or not. Marpa did not care if he was going to be rated hmm, highly uh, in the teacher's rating. Marpa did not care uh, what the Buddhist magazines featured him or not. Marpa did not care, you know, how many people uh, is clicking like on his Facebook page. He had guts. It's like, I don't care. Marpa didn't even care what his wife thought of him. Yeah, I mean, of course, we think, oh, this terrible man. <laughs> but he didn't care. Why? Because he cared about bodhicitta. 
So he had those guts, you know. Hard to find you know, teachers like that. I mean, even someone like, you know, Zhong Zekensirinpoche, you know, now big star. And he says, you know, even myself, he says, you know, I'm not a very good teacher, he said, because I don't have the guts to just offend people. When, I, when Bodhicitta, Vow says, you have, you have to, because I like to be popular. I like to be liked. We're not even saying that teachers are, you know, talking about egocentric teachers or anything like that, just in a very ordinary human way, everybody wants to be liked. So we don't have Marpa-like figures. If we do, we probably don't know where they are because they're not winning the popularity contest. We also don't have students like Milarepa with the kind of devotion that he had. No matter what, no matter what, he knew that he would do whatever Marpa tells him. Why? We don't know. I don't think Milarepa himself knew. Right? He only heard people talking about Marpa being great. But Marpa didn't do anything to try to show Milarepa that he was great. You know, in fact, first encounter was like, <laughs> that was Marpa's response, like, what? Can't you see I'm busy? Because Marpa was working on his farm. Like, well, what do you want? You know? But Milarepa had devotion. This is the kind of devotion that says, you know, no matter what, you know, I'm here. No matter how difficult, I'm here. I'm not, I'm not going away. Whether I feel good, I feel bad, I feel inspired, you know, I feel disappointed, I'm here. So that was the kind of devotion not emotional. Milarepa <laughs> wasn't emotional. Sometimes we think devotion. In the last couple of days I was talking to friends, you know, about devotion and emotion. It's like it's not emotional. This kind of devotion is about strength. It's about not being thrown off course by whatever happens. Like I said. A year ago, or two years, more than a year ago, when His Holiness was here, I shared with you the words that His Holiness said to me. As long as the sky has not fallen down on your head, and the ground has not given way, nothing is impossible. That's the devotion. <laughs> yeah, It's not the... Necessarily, I mean, other religious traditions have a more emotional kind of devotion, like bhakti, right? It's elevating the emotions to a higher level and, you know, loving the divine. And that's, that's not necessarily the kind of devotion we're talking about here. Yeah? Here, it's, it's a certain toughness and, and, and staying on course. Yeah? Bodhicitta. How do we actualize? Bodhicitta. How do we experience bodhicitta? How do we generate bodhicitta? All of that. So Milarepa was relentless. So we are in a degenerate age, you know, (laughs) in that sense, right? I mean, imagine Marpa turning up today and seeing, you know, all these publicity and posters and everything to lure people to Dharma teachings. He would say, this is hopeless. <coughs> this is hopeless. I don't know. With all of our advancement 
in so many things, right? With all the intelligence. Uh, and then in the West, people are highly educated, highly intelligent. You know. And so, with so much technology and all that. Has anyone reached the first boomy? Tibetans had nothing but devotion. Complete devotion and staying on course, no matter. Teacher smile at you, good. Teacher don't smile at you, good. Teacher sees you, good. Teacher don't see you, even you're right in front, good. Never mind. Because you're not there. You know, looking for, you know, a father. Or even a friend. So, so because of that, you know, Milarepa in one lifetime was able to purify all the negativities that was obstructing his ability to absorb the teachings. We now have, I, 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 I would say, we now have way more access to teachings than Milarepa. All of us. We now have way easier access to all the teachings. And just get on Google. If you know how to search, you can find almost every single book that has been published and translated. Milarepa, to get even one sentence from Martha wasn't easy. So it's not the case that we don't have enough teachings. We don't have enough access. We, we always, I, I see this a lot. We always think, oh, I don't have enough access. I don't have access to the teachings. I don't have access to the teacher. But we don't actually want access to teachers. We want access to our imaginary friend, our imaginary, you know, boss. Whatever it is, that relationship that's lacking or not working out for you, you go to the Dharma teacher and you hope to get there, there. And then we say, I don't have enough access. Oh, that retreat is so expensive. Oh, that teaching is so this and that. Really? Look at what Milarepa had to give. And I would say he got maybe, in terms of like actual Dharma words from his teacher, 10% of what all of us in this room have already gotten. Really? 10%. So it's not literally how much Dharma that we get. It's our ability to absorb and the only way to absorb this, again and again, especially in the Kagyu tradition, it's devotion. We say, it's devotion. Otherwise, it's not possible. That means dedication. That means being dedicated to the goal that we are seeking. Otherwise, it's not possible. So, Milarepa's whole life was about dedication. He spent about maybe two years with Marpa. And even that, on Marpa's terms, Milarepa never knew what's going to happen next. Completely on Marpa's terms. Maximum two years. 
after that marpa say you have what you need to reach your goal now leave me now go into the mountains because that's where you need to practice and every time when you feel completely discouraged completely ready to give up pray from the depths of your heart and pray to me again this was a guy with guts either you have guts or you're a charlatan lots of charlatans tell people to pray to them <laughs> but marpa could care less what milarepa thought is he a charlatan asking me in most difficult times to pray to him that marpa said you pray to me i'm your guru so milarepa went off and we see in his life you know when he was in the darkest periods during his practice when he was about to give up about to kill himself you know then he remembered and he prayed and then marpa appeared by that point marpa already passed so i would say it's not that marpa you know passed on and somewhere in some paradise going oh milarepa's calling and poof you know in front of milarepa but it was again milarepa's devotion that marpa appeared and marpa said to him remember what i taught you remember what i said so the words of marpa was powerful enough that milarepa had visions of marpa and milarepa once he left marpa he never saw marpa in life again never saw marpa in person again and he continued to dedicate his life until his own body dissolved as devoted as he was to marpa he was completely devoted to his students the welfare of his students and so that again he did not care about the eight worldly concerns people criticize him as a bad teacher people praise him as a good teacher doesn't matter porichita uh it's all in this drigongyabgan when he went into the three year retreat when he was younger uh it happened not after having um uh kind of suffered quite a bit i mean he was never really as far as i know as far as the public story uh, is known he he was never like mm, like beaten or tortured mm, by the communist government but nonetheless he was put to like these labor camps and hard labor and so his body was weak mm. so when he went into a, the three year retreat um you know you, you you have to do all these purification practices um you have to um uh do the uh hundreds and hundreds of thousands of prostrations yeah. and it said that uh, at one point he was so weak physically uh, that he he collapsed a few times huh? during during these prostrations and so his fellow retreatants um was very worried uh because he's the head of the order you know very worried and they they pleaded with the retreat master to um make an exception for his holiness to say you know he has gone through so much right his body is so weak and and he's he's sick right now he's passed out no started to bleed so they wrote a, a note to the retreat master then it said that um the retreat master called everyone uh, in the retreat including his holiness um in the hierarchy of the order of course his holiness was 
higher than anyone in that room, including the retreat master. But in the relationship of teacher and student, <laughs> His Holiness was a student of, you know, the retreat master. But even that, you know, like the throne of His Holiness is always higher, you know, even as a student. Uh, so it's said that the retreat master, uh, so everybody, students came in, made prostrations, and they sat where they normally sit. Then the retreat master himself got up, went in front of His Holiness's throne. His Holiness was sitting there. He made three prostrations. Not common, because during the retreat, you know, he's the teacher, His Holiness is the student. But he did that. And he stood in front of His Holiness, and he looked at everybody else in the room, and he said to His Holiness, Both you and I, at one point, took the Bodhisattva vow, took the vow to actualize Bodhicitta. So we took this vow, and now here we are. Your fellow retreatants have pleaded with me to um, make an exception for you in this requirement. Then he said, If I were to do that, and if you were to take the exception, then both you and I have turned back on our bodhicitta vows. So do you think you can accept the exception? Because I don't think I can give the exception. Then of course he went on to say, on the ultimate level, you are Avalokiteshvara and you don't need to do these prostrations. But on the conventional level, for the benefit of sentient beings, no matter what, finish these requirements. And then he left the room. That's the kind of commitment. It's like you don't give up. So Milarepa's, you know, training with his teacher and his training of the students are always told in the Tibetan tradition as the, you know, the the most kind of um, amazing examples of what devotion means. So if you read Milarepa's life story. You, you see what devotion really means. It's like no matter what the hardships, you stay on course to actualize bodhicitta. And you rely on your guru. So in this, these songs, you'll, you'll see that. You know, he'll, he'll talk a lot, he'll sing a lot about that. That without that, it's, it's not possible. And so here, um, it says uh, in, in the notes in this text, I will read that. As a result of the dynamic energy of blazing bliss, wherein prana, meaning uh, the wind energy, not, not physical wind, uh, not energy of the wind like the windmills, <laughs> Subtle uh, energy in the body, uh, prana, and mind are united. One who fully realizes what appears and exists as the deities of the three chakras is Lord Mila, bowing down to him and to the incomparable Drikumpa. I shall elucidate here the yoga of Milarepa. This is uh, His Holiness, uh, you know, doing an homage to. Milarepa, an incomparable Drikumpa, is Jiten Sungan, founder of Drikumkagyu. To the top of page 2, and this is key in understanding, what is, or who is the Guru? 
So His Holiness quotes a uh, teaching that was given to him many lifetimes back. <laughs> the first Chesang, Gonjoratna. Uh, it said that the goddess Tashi Serima, Tashi Serima is like one of those uh, supernatural figures of the Tibetan landscape that was said to be foremost of Milarepa's non-human students. Milarepa's foremost human students uh, was Gampopa and Rechongpa. Gampopa the monk, Rechongpa the yogi, uh, wandering ascetic like Milarepa. Then in the non-human world uh, was Tashi Serima, uh, this goddess with her four other sisters, uh, a group of five of them. And so, so Serima, uh, a few centuries later, gave teachings to the first Chesang. Our current one is the seventh and so it says fortunate ones what is revealed here is the most profound guru sadhana the heart blood of the dakinis and when great bliss turns into the guru receive from him the empowerments and accomplish all of the myriad activities until you witness them personally when great bliss turns into the guru so what is the guru the Guru is the embodiment of the great bliss. Where does great bliss come from? What is great bliss? What does great bliss mean here? Great bliss is that which arises when we realize the inseparability of appearances and emptiness on the objective, in the objective uh, 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 sort of end of things on the subjective end of things is the inseparability of the emptiness and the clarity of mind with regards to mind realizing the inseparability of emptiness and clarity and clarity is a poetic word for for what? More basic. Emptiness? No, that's the emptiness. What's clarity? Inseparability of emptiness and clarity. What's clarity? As a quality of the mind. No. More basic. Awareness. Uh, Awareness itself. Uh, So the mind is not just empty, uh, meaning that it's spacious. Uh, Or each each moment of mind. We're not talking about mind as a thing. Each moment of mind uh, has both the quality of being empty uh, and has awareness. So the inseparability of awareness and emptiness when realized, when experienced, that is the experience of great bliss. Uh, On the subjective pole of experience. On the objective pole of experience, the inseparability between Emptiness and appearances. Yeah? Or emptiness and appearances. Yeah? All the sight, sound, smell, taste, touch yeah? that we perceive is inseparable from emptiness. And so that's great bliss. So the Guru is then the embodiment of that great bliss. So when you can perceive the Guru as that, then you receive from the Guru empowerment. And so in this Guru Yoga, uh, at the end, or in all Guru Yogas, uh, at the end, you receive the four empowerments from the Guru. And then some notes here about how to prepare the shrine and uh, what what you need to have. Uh, Then it says... um, Ignite the fire of devotion as strong as the fire at the end of the aeon and focus your mind completely on the two types of precious bodhicitta. So we started with that. The aspiration and the engagement bodhicitta. So we are on page 2 of the Guru Yoga text, somewhere in the middle. Then some instructions on what to prepare for the shrine. Uh, And then it says, you know, Mm. 
If you don't have any of these things, these can be simply imagined. So you can be out on the parkway without lugging you know, a whole suitcase of Vajrayana stuff. Milarepa himself had none of the stuff. Um, but also remember, okay, maybe Milarepa now is the lion and we are the fox. But you as the fox, you have to figure out how much accessorizing you need and how little you need. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting our mission to foster a deeper understanding of the teachings of the Buddha, to build meaningful community, and to integrate contemplative teachings into everyday life. We invite you to make a donation online at udharmanc.com or make a purchase at our store, tibetanspirit.com. Thank you. May all beings benefit.